I guess I should pray for the sermon, and then we'll get started. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be glorifying to you this morning, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm glad you're here this morning, and I'm glad that my voice is still a little bit crackly, so you know that I was sick this week, okay? Like, know that. It happened. And also, I have this cool gravitas to my voice now, <laughs> which I don't mind. Probably it's driving you guys crazy, but it's okay. It's beyond the stage of hurting, so that's that's the good news. So like I said uh, earlier, when we lit the candle this week, we're talking about preparation, what it means to be prepared uh, for the Christmas season in particular, uh, for the coming of Christ, for the advent of Christ. And last week, we did this informal little survey on who among us likes to decide things. Now, I am quantifying all of this data and keeping track of it so as to better utilize everybody in our congregation. But I wanted to do another survey, another informal survey uh, among us. So who here is like the super prepper, like the Boy Scout be prepared, like I will I will be prepared no matter what? Okay, yes, I know you are. Thank you for your honesty, Janelle. That's not new information to me. <laughs> Anybody else? No, not really? I, I, I kind of thought going into this, I'm like, no, I'm not a prepper guy. Like I'm the guy that's like last minute throwing everything together. I'm a crammer, you know, like I'll get everything done the night before. But then I started thinking, man, like the back of my car has a chainsaw in it. It has an ax in it. I shouldn't just say all this stuff, but it has like all this stuff in it. Like I'm like, I just drive around like ready to go. I got all my jackets have like flint and steel fire starters in them, which is really nerdy. And they have never actually saved my life, although they did make one trip a lot less miserable than it had to be. Uh, but I thought, you know, maybe I do do a lot of preparations. You know, I have I have the winter clothes all together. I like when I took my car out the other day to Sunnybrae, there was like that much snow on the road. I had like a minus 40 jacket with fur trim on. I had these giant boots for like minus a high. I was like, I was ready to go exploring in the north. So then I thought maybe maybe I am kind of a an anxious prepper. You know, I get nervous about things and start to prepare stuff. Um, but it's good to be prepared, and Christmas calls for it. Like, we have to be prepared. And my wife is, she's better at, like, that long-term planning stuff, you know, like like hours ahead of time or, like, days ahead of time. Like she can do that in a way that I can't really do, and that's good for us because, I, you know, especially at Christmas time, you're having people over. you got to think about what you're going to have. Like, she left the house the other day, and then I realized I have to, like, plan dinner. And then I realized that, that's the reason that she sent me to the store the week before to buy frozen pizza. I thought we were going to eat it that night, but it was actually for like those days that she was gone. So I like opened it up. I'm like, there's a pizza. I'm like, can I eat that? She's like, that's what you bought it for. I'm like, right, 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 right. Planning is important. <laughs> it's an important thing. And, and as we come into Advent, we have a lot to prepare for, right? But Christmas throws at us all kinds of things. We have all kinds of things to prepare for in the holiday seasons beyond just what it is to be prepared for the advent of the coming of Christ. We have Christmas parties and Christmas lights. We have Christmas cheese balls. We have Christmas presents. We have Christmas company. We have Christmas dinners to get ready for. We have Christmas services. If you're like me, this month just gets kind of bananas. And then 
if you're a parent and your kids are in school, you have to prepare yourself for them not to be in school for a little while on Christmas break. You get the idea. And probably you're already feeling the pressure of the season. Like it's it's upon us, right? It feels maybe a little bit early to sing the Christmas carols and do all this stuff, but the pressure is upon us already. We have a lot to get ready for. Now, nobody, like if you're feeling the pressure so much right now that you're thinking, I should probably just leave and go start like rolling cheese balls or something, just hold on your horse. This sermon will be good for you as it has been good for me. Ironically, this sermon was really hard for me to prepare. Isn't that a funny thing? How God has that sort of sense of humor about things. Like I'm going, I want to do this thing on preparation. What do I need to do? And I, I frantically went about all of this research and study. I'm trying to find the things to say. I'm trying to find the verses. I'm trying to find the message inside of there. And I'm, I'm disciplining myself to that task. And I'm just kind of anxiously running from thing to thing to thing to thing. And this happens to me quite a lot. God kept saying, I'll just, like, could you maybe pray about this? <laughs> you know, or like, let's talk about this thing. Let's, let's bring it before him in prayer. Let's ruminate it in the heart. Let's go over it in this way. And I think, I think that's the side of preparation that we're being called into. God has a lot to say about preparation. And in this season in particular, as we prepare to celebrate the coming of our Savior to earth, God has some things that I believe uh, will help us to keep the preparation from getting in the way of the thing we're preparing for. Because that happens. A lot of times the preparations become the problem, right? It's, 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 it's a common phenomenon, at least in my, my life it is. And there's a story in the Bible about two sisters who are getting ready to host Jesus in which we learn a thing or two about how to prepare to invite Jesus in. And that's where I want to turn our attention this morning. This is, uh, this is found in Luke chapter 10, verse 38. So you can turn there with me if you'd like. So Luke is in the New Testament. It's more than three-quarters of the way through your Bible. It's in the back. It's right after Matthew, Mark, and then Luke, and then John. It's in the Gospels. So if we turn to Luke chapter 10, verse 38, there's a story I want to talk about this morning. Now, Jesus had been out teaching with his disciples. And in the Luke context, I believe that it's, yeah, it's preceded by the parable of the Good Samaritan. And so he's out teaching and doing these things. And then as evening comes, he needs a place to stay, a place to retire. And so Mary and Martha, the sisters, invite Jesus into their home and his disciples. And so they're, they're there with them. And, and Martha, you know, opens the door. I don't know who the older sister is 100%. I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure. It's Martha. I'm just guessing from the content of the story that it's Martha. So Martha opens up. She opens up the door to Jesus, and, and Jesus and his kind of company come in. And then she immediately busies herself with the preparations of, of what it is to host Jesus. right? And then Mary, on the other hand, sits at Jesus' feet and just listens to him. Now, of course, this really makes uh, Martha a little upset. And then she does something I would say that would borderline be inhospitable or not very, not very good graces as a, as a host. She puts Jesus on the spot. And she's like, Jesus, tell my sister to get up and help. Look at all the preparations I have to do. You tell her to get up and help me. And Jesus responds to her. He says, 
Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, <clears throat> Excuse me, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. If we have one takeaway from today, I'd like it to be this idea of laying aside the many things in order to obtain or attend to the one needed thing and what that looks like. Now, I know Martha gets a lot of the bad rap in all of this. And, and Mary and Martha, they have another story later on in the Gospels. They're the sisters of Lazarus whom Jesus raises from the dead. And so it's not to say that Martha is doing all of these bad things, but I think that Mary and Martha represent kind of two sides of our own heart, our own condition, right? We have the side of us that is busy and active and doing things and needs to just like get that sort of anxiety out of us and just get something done. And then there's this other more contemplative side, this more thoughtful or present side. And, and both of these things are important. We, we know from the scriptures that you cannot be all action and not thought. You can't, you can't just go and do whatever you want to do. This is not what Christ calls us to. But in the same way, we know that you cannot simply just read the words. Right? Whoever reads the words but do not do what they say is a, is a liar. So this is, this is the sort of double-edged sword at which both of these ladies are kind of representing, I think, what is really two conditions of our own heart, right? This, on the one hand, the temptation to be pulled into just busyness and activity, and on the other hand, to be pulled into, to, to have that action, to have your activity, your life rooted in something that is more contemplative. And this is what I'd like to look at today. Now, I, this is a funny thing about me because I'm, I'm kind of an anxious guy, like I'm a nail-biter type, right? So I get, and it's probably because I leave things to the last minute that this happens to me, right? But I, I tend to get frantic and a little bit worried and stressed about things. So now, when I was praying last week, I, I'm sitting down in front of the fire. I'm like, okay, I'm going to have this nice, like, prayer time, right? And so I start a fire. That's step one to having a nice prayer time. And then I'm like, okay, now what do I need to do? I should probably get this book on prayer down. I should probably get this journal going. And I'm sitting down. I'm like, oh, there's the cat. Now the cat's looking for a place to sit. So I'm like, okay, cat, come get settled on my lap already. And so the cat gets settled. And now I'm like, all right, everything's ready. So now I'm going to read the book on prayer. And then after a lengthy time of reading the book on prayer and these different things, now I'm going to pick up my journal and I'm going to start writing deep, jerky thoughts about this, that, or the other thing. And while I'm writing, God is going, I thought you came here to pray, Kyle. <laughs> like, what has taken so long, right? And I think this is the temptation, right, is that we, we want to do good things. We, we, we maybe move into these things, but we get so preoccupied in, in, in fussing and making it just right and just so and, and doing all of this preparation that we never get around to doing it. You know, like my tea went cold three times. I had to rewarm it before I finally was like, okay, now I'm finally like ready to pray. And there is something to be said especially for nail-biters like me, to just coming to quiet. That's a process that I need to kind of walk through, and it's an important bit, right? But I think there's also something to be said about how we can sometimes tend to avoid the thing that God is calling us into because we're, we're busying ourselves or occupying ourselves with other lesser things. And in that way, we fail to attend to the one most important thing. 
What does it take to turn our attention to the one needed thing? Now, there's another parable that Christ tells in, in the book of Mark. It's found in chapter 4. You're invited to turn there if you like. So in Mark chapter 4, Jesus tells uh, the parable of the story of the, of, the, of the farmer sowing the seeds on the different types of soil. So he's, he's teaching this great big crowd of people. I mean, they've, they've grown substantially. He's forced off of the shoreline that he's teaching on out into a boat so that all of the people lying along the shore can hear him. And then he gives this parable. He says there's a, there's a farmer, and he's sowing seeds, and he, he sows some of the seeds along a path, but the birds quickly eat it up. And then, and then he sows some into the rocky soil, and it, and it takes root, and it grows really fast, but then its roots fail to establish because it's shallow, the shallow soil, and, it, and, the, and the sun scorches it, and it withers and dies. And then some of the seed lands among the thorns, which grows, but it grows among the thorns. And because it's choked out by the thorns, it's unable to produce fruit, which is the point of the seed, is to produce fruit. And then finally, some of the seed lands in the good soil. And it says it came up, and it grew, and it produced a crop, and it was multiplying some 30, some 60, and some 100 times. So this is the idea of the morning, is how do we have the kind of heart that is able to receive Christ? So Christ goes on to explain this parable because it's a mysterious thing that he's saying. Most of the people don't understand it. The disciples are confused by it. They're like, what, is, what does seed and soil have to do with, with what you're talking about, about the kingdom of heaven? He says, well, the, that's, that's what's happening is, is these soils represent our different conditions of heart, right? Some of us have hearts that are like a hard path and the soil can't take the seed in. And so it's quickly snatched away by Satan and he flies in like a bird and swoops and takes that seed and it never has a chance to establish. Some of us have hearts that are like the rocky soil, right? We, we quickly and eagerly invite and receive the word and it grows and springs up. But then as soon as something challenges that word, as soon as some difficulty arises with that word, it just gets uprooted and pulled out because its roots failed to go down deep. And then same, some of us are, are, have hearts with, with many thorns and thistles that are growing and, and, and it's full of weeds and we've surrounded our lives with these unproductive things. And so we can, we can grow the sort of stagnant growth, but we're never producing the fruit that we're intended to produce. We're never yielding the crop that we're intended to yield. And this is the idea this morning that I want to talk about is how do we, how do we have that, that good soil? Because none of us have that good soil just innately, naturally to us, do we? I, I, I resonate with all of these things. I can look on my life and I go, there's the thorns and thistles. There's the rocks. There's the, there's the obstructions and stuff. There's where I have a hard time holding to the, to the word. I have a hard time having faith in that thing and where, where that plant is tempted to be uprooted and scorched. We all have that happening in our life. And it's a it's a difficult thing. And and here's what I've come to. We don't get to fix it ourselves. I, I really wish that I could just go, okay, I'm gonna take that information and I'm gonna I'm gonna fix, I'm gonna go get, I'll go pick all the rocks out of my own soil. I'll make sure that that happens. I'm going to do that hard work. I'll go through and weed it all out. 
we don't have the perspective to be able to do that. This is a work that we must we, we must have that good soil given to us. It must be prepared, in a sense, for us. And this is a difficult thing. And, and I think it's, if you can hang with me, this is the connection that I see between Mary and Martha. Martha was busy preparing the house, preparing all of the things so that Jesus could be there. But Mary herself was prepared herself for Jesus' presence. She was prepared to invite and receive Christ. Right? So... The, the condition of the house was maybe an, it was maybe an important thing and it was maybe necessary, but it wasn't the one needed thing, right? And this is what Christ is calling us to, is to be ourselves prepared for who he is and what he has to offer us. And so I started thinking, last year when I preached this, uh, this sermon on preparation, we talked about John the Baptist and, and repentance, the need for repentance and confession of our sins in order to prepare our hearts for Christ. And this is no less true today, but... How I would maybe nuance it this morning is to say that when we confess our sins to Christ, we, there's two ways of going about that sort of a prayer or that sort of a, an approach to who God is. We can, we can just start looking inside and going, this, 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 this. I'm going to confess just all these different things and, and just start guessing randomly at the things that may offend. And, and maybe that will be fruitful in some ways. But there's another way to do this, right, where we, we say, okay, I am going to pray with God. I'm going to invite God into this process of heart preparation to look over the soil and say, Kyle, this is the rock that I want you to deal with. Because we do that often, don't we? We, we, we find the thing that embarrasses us the most, that, that habit maybe that we're trying to kick or that, that thing that we're just, oh, I just wish I could get rid of this one thing. And, and we obsess over over trying to fix that ourselves. And often these are long battles that we fight because we're doing it on our own strength or in our own power, right? And, and I think what we could be doing instead is to say, Lord, would you look over my life? Would you take my heart and know it? Would you examine it for me and show me these things which need to be dealt with? And then we get to also say to Christ, now would you deal with that? Would you help me deal with that thing? And so prayer is an act of participation in what it is to be prepared, right? But when when we just go sort of randomly guessing at the things or the way of preparing this stuff, we, we end up, I believe, in just a season of busyness and, and unfruitfulness, right? We, we probably put more obstacles to growth in our way when we're doing that than if we were to allow and invite Christ into that process with ourselves. And so this week I would just invite you guys uh, to be able to, to do do the work, I guess, if we want an application, right? If we, Because people, we all love to have something that we can take home and do, right? So if we want to have an application, this is the part of the sermon that's often difficult, right? Is how do we allow God to do the application for us? But that's that's what we're invited into. So now, I don't know if you're uh, an evening prayer or a morning prayer or a weekly prayer or a monthly prayer or an annual prayer or whatever you are. If you're an annual or monthly prayer, maybe make this the one day of your year or the, in the, in sometime in the next week, make it make it that day. And if it's two, then, you know, you can take it up with me if it goes badly, whatever. That's okay. But I would encourage you to sit down this week and to say, Lord, how are you calling me to prepare for this season? How are you calling me to prepare for who you are and what you're bringing and what you represent? Because as I said at the beginning when we were talking about Advent, 
we, we are in, in one sense celebrating the coming of Christ, the, the king as a little baby into a manger. But what we're really celebrating here, especially in the first two weeks of Advent, is the return of the king. It's that day that we're looking forward to when all the wrong things are set right, when all the evil is done away with, when all the, the struggles and the sin and the difficulty and all of these things, which all of the rocks have been removed, all of the weeds have been removed, and, the, and the, the soil is well prepared and good. This is the day that we're preparing ourselves for. And so we can ask and invite Christ into that process to say, Lord, would you prepare me for this? Would you, would you come inside of me and, and, and reveal to me these things that you want me to work on, which you want me to, to see and to know about myself? And then would you hold my hand and guide me through that process? It may be a long process. Most of these things don't just happen overnight, right? And it may, it may not be like a great big revelation of this, that, or the other, but it might just be something seemingly mundane that God is calling us to a specific uh, level of in, sort of increased intentionality about it. And so this is, this is the, the work of, of Advent, I, I believe. And, and it's a beautiful thing that we get to experience uh, here in the very beginning of Christmas. But as you know, there are a lot of complications and difficulties in our way because there are many things which are distracting us right now, right? So I think it's popular among preachers to talk about how, uh, you know, Christmas isn't a consumerist holiday and all of this kind of stuff. And, and it is, it is, I mean, it's unfortunately distracting, right? Like we have Black Friday and Cyber Monday and we have all of these things to prepare for, all of this stuff to do. But I would encourage you to not, in, in the busyness of all of that, to be, allow yourself to be enriched. Allow yourself, allow Christ to enrich that process of preparation by revealing to you the one needed thing. Now, today is also the first Sunday of the month, and as such, it is Communion Sunday. Uh, and so if you're helping with communion, would you mind coming up at this point? And we'll, we'll hand out communion.